It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Hello, it's Painter Sharpless, and you're listening to the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. This show, of course, brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar has a great way of getting you your protein however you need it. Just go to their website, customize your own box. I've already told you, non-nuts and nut flavors, there's a bunch of them. You get to choose which ones you like the most. So if you're into protein, if you're into healthy snacks, if you're into yourself, get into Built Bar. Today, part two in a series with Blake Lovell, of course, Blake Lovell of Locked On SEC. We talk about Ole Miss's season plus just how long Lane Kiffin has to build the Ole Miss program or turn it around depending on where you believe it is. Plus, why some of my expectations for the Rebels and my optimism is beginning to diminish, but that's okay. There are plenty of reasons to be excited about the future. Blake and I discussed those and some other SEC teams at large. Hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. As I promised on Monday's edition of the show, we will get back to the ongoing conversation we've had recently about Bud Elliott's blue chip ratio, how Lane Kiffin and the Rebels need to recruit and what it is they can do to position themselves as a power and a team that deserves its recognition in the SEC West, within the conference as a whole, and perhaps nationally. Let's dive in, but first, a word from the folks who make this podcast possible. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Mississippi and Texas A&M. So a few weeks ago, this was my place where I go... A&M is due in November to collapse. <laughs> and I really Shocker. I really felt good about this one, right? And I'm just I am I'm backing off of that now because <laughs> I think you've got Jimbo Fisher and for all the grief I've given Kellen Mond, like he may have a low ceiling, but and the talk of them quite frankly getting to like that LSU 2019 improvement status seems silly to me. They don't have a lot of what would be needed uh, and the first part of that is Joe Burrow. But also, they are a better team. They have recruited now for a couple of cycles at a high level. They've got more experience. Part of the problem last year going into year two for Fisher that I think not enough people paid attention to was just how much he lost. He actually inherited an experienced team his first year and then had to replace all of that going into his second year. So I wasn't surprised to see them struggle maybe a bit more than some people expected. All that to say, it seems hard for me who once felt good about this game in early November uh, it, it seems like this is going to be a loss for Ole Miss, Blake. 
Listen, man, if it was in Oxford, I'd give you the benefit of the doubt. And <laughs> and I, I I would. I would say, you know, I don't think this is Painter just being, uh, you know, biased towards uh, Kellen Mond and Jimbo <laughs> Fisher and all that. I, I think that there's some validity to it. But I think it's also, I mean, it is. It's it's one where it's a road game. Uh, we, we, it's a cliche at this point, but we say it every year. You know, it's it's not easy to win on the road uh, in in this sport, and uh, I think it would also benefits Texas A&M is this. You know, they have just like Ole Miss, they have the week off, so they're they're not playing on Halloween, and so both teams come in fresh. And and yes, that's that's good for Ole Miss, but you probably would have rather be going on the road playing at A&M, uh, you know, after they would have hosted uh, Auburn or LSU or someone uh, instead of having to play them on a week off and. And I think, you know, for, for A&M, even, you know, you look at their schedule. I mean, realistically, if you look at Texas A&M's schedule, it it sets up really nicely. And, and it's almost to a point to where I would, would I be shocked if Texas A&M came into this game undefeated? I would not be because of their schedule. And I think Auburn, having to win at Auburn uh, in mid, mid-October is going to be the toughest challenge, probably their early schedule. But the toughest part for them is their last two games, which are at Alabama and at home against LSU. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it's just a challenge, man. I, I don't, I, depending on, let's say, let's just hope that Ole Miss has built some momentum before right. they get to that game, uh, against November, November 7th against Texas A&M. And even if they have let, for example, let's just say they came out and just beat Florida or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you maybe have a three game winning streak going into that bye week. Uh, that, in a sense, probably still hurts you because you have that bye week. Then you have to go to College Station. Uh, it just it doesn't feel like any way you look at it. You can try to to paint the picture any way you want. Uh, it just doesn't seem like a great setup for Ole Miss in that game. All right. So one thing I did want to mention because I thought it was weird and it also relates to Vanderbilt. Did you happen to see uh, the odds that were posted? I know Brett McMurphy put them out there, and I'm stalling because, okay, so – uh, I guess it's Las Vegas Superbook. The the odds: Arkansas five hundred to one, Vanderbilt two thousand to one. My man, Arkansas hasn't won a conference game in two years. Yeah, that's, what's going um, on there? Wow. I, all right, I've just pulled it up. I just found it. Yeah, that's um. Wow, that's a that's a big difference between those two teams. And Vanderbilt uh, plays in the East. I was gonna say that's um. I, I don't know how you could even look at that if I. I would honestly probably flip those. Like I would put Vanderbilt at five hundred to one. I'd put Arkansas at two thousand. Right. I, I don't. How could you see any chance that Arkansas has a better path, a considerably <laughs> better path, according to the odds, to get to the 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 SEC championship game for starters? Um, whereas Vanderbilt, I mean, ah, uh, boy, I don't know. That's um, <laughs> listen. I may. Should should I go ahead right now, Painter, while we're talking and pull the pull the plug on uh, Vanderbilt here? Let's just let's make the <laughs> let's make the bet two thousand to one. Um, put put down a couple dollars and and we're gonna we're gonna win us some money here. Ten bucks so. might go a long way. I'm with you. It doesn't make sense to me. And just so people at home are aware, neither well, I'll speak for myself and Blake. You can agree or disagree. Neither of us think that either of these teams have a shot in hell of winning their division let no. alone the league, but come on. It's, I just thought it was odd. Usually Vegas, almost always, in fact, Vegas knows a lot more than we do, but that was <laughs> peculiar. Georgia Southern could be tricky. I got Ole Miss winning that one. Agree, disagree. I'm not going to act like I know that much about Georgia Southern, and they have played some teams well in the past, so I don't think it's one you can just completely skip past if you're Ole Miss. It's not, it's not, they're yeah. no SEMO, uh, as you would put it. 
That's exactly. They're, they're no SEMO. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they've been a tricky team in the past for some SEC teams. So uh, maybe you don't want to overlook that one. And this is, you know, it's one of those two where everybody talks about it, that, that late November game against a, you know, a team that that's not, uh, you know, anywhere, shouldn't be anywhere close to you uh, from a talent standpoint and all that. And you never know what you're going to get because I think mindset comes into it there Absolutely. too is, you know, what if Ole Miss is sitting there at two and something, you know, that, that makes it a lot more different uh, than maybe if they're coming in with a lot of momentum, maybe just one in Arkansas and all this other stuff. So before we get to our final game here, just a reminder that in a moment we will talk, Blake and I will talk uh, Lane Kiffin's tenure and if things go awry, how much time he's got, but let's go to that egg bowl game, a short week, Mississippi state and Mississippi. When we spoke a few weeks ago, I seem to remember, and correct me if I am wrong, I seem to remember you thinking your one for Leach would be a bit better. Is that correct? And if so, uh, do you think that holds true in this Egg Bowl? Yeah, that that was what we talked about. And and I think we just, I'm not exactly sure what we came up with, because I think, remember, we were we were still trying to figure out uh, what the circumstances were going to be, the offseason and all that stuff. But for for some reason, I just feel like that Mississippi State maybe has an opportunity, and maybe it's that unique factor, and, I, and that is one of the things we discussed with it, was because, you know, maybe it's both a positive and a negative in that, knowing that the Mississippi State's going to be very unique in terms of, you know, their offense, and we know how they're going to approach it in a, in a Mike Leach system uh, and all that. Now, at the same time, you know, how does this not having spring practice and all that stuff, you know, how does that affect them, and, and can they get on the same page I, for some reason, there's just something about this Mississippi State team. I think they should be able to win some games. I don't know how many they're going to win. Uh, if you look at how their schedule shakes out, I mean, they've got that tough stretch, just like you know Ole Miss has, where they got to play Alabama, LSU, Auburn, all back to back, basically. Um, but but aside from that, you feel like it's it's not a bad setup, and so I could actually see Mississippi State probably winning more games. Uh, are they a considerably better team than Ole Miss this year? I don't know. Uh, but uh, again, it's a rivalry game. Um, you know, you, you've got a situation where if you're Mississippi State, you're having to play on the road in a rivalry game. If we assume that fans are going to be in the stands at that point, um, you know, that gives you an advantage if you're Ole Miss. But I, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's another one of those. It's not the same as, uh, you know, obviously uh, Ole Miss Vanderbilt. We're talking about the weird factor. But I mean, we know. Just look back at last year's example, right? Uh, these Ole Miss Mississippi State games, they can be a little weird sometimes. That job impacted at least uh, three coaching positions in some way or another, and maybe it will be more when the domino effect is all said and done. And to your point about the Georgia Southern game, Blake, like I do think the way teams feel entering the last month and especially that last week matters greatly. Like is Ole Miss beaten yeah. down by the time they get through the stretch of Auburn, LSU, and Alabama? Do they beat Baylor, as I predicted, are they one and four going into Vanderbilt and drop that? And it's just like the season's gone. You know, you just yeah. suddenly you feel like, as you said, maybe Mississippi State isn't a much superior team. But if the morale of Ole Miss is down by the last month of football, you can forget about it. Like, I can see that too. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, Blake and I discuss just how much time Lane Kiffin has to turn it around. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. 
based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. And we're back. Blake Lovell of Locked On SEC with me. While I think Ole Miss's first season won't be bad, in fact, I think it has some promise to it, as I've already mentioned, uh, expectations are diminishing, Blake, because first-year <laughs> coaches are, quite frankly, at a large disadvantage. So I ask you this. How much time does Lane Kiffin get if things do go poorly? Normally, it's anywhere between two to four years, but we're seeing in some instances where it's two seasons, and you're done. If there's not yeah. market improvement, that coach is out. Well, I, here's the thing. I, I think that because he's Lane Kiffin, I think he's going to get quite a bit of time. And I think <laughs> we've talked about it before in that uh, here's the deal, too, is this unique offseason, I think, in a sense, it not just helps Lane Kiffin, but it helps a lot of these other first-year coaches, right? Because there are going to be some places where I think you can, if you're the coach, and let's say they come out and, and struggle this season, which, again, we're not expecting them to be an SEC title contender or anything like that. But let's say they come out and struggle a bit. If you're the coach, if you're Lane Kiffin, you, you can certainly walk into your administrator's office and say, well, hey, you know, I mean, look at what we had to work with in the offseason. Like, look how different this was. None of us, no coach around the country has ever been in this position where they've had to face what we faced this offseason. So I think that's something that, that's going to make this year. And, and really, honestly, Painter, even if the season starts on time, even if everything is normal by the time the season gets here, I don't we have we cannot underestimate the importance of the offseason, right? We have to know how important spring practice, how important the summer is, uh, all those things for a first year coach. And so if you look at it from that standpoint, I think you can probably throw this season out and say that this isn't going to be one that we're just going to look like if they go, you know, oh, and 12 or something, that's much different. But we don't, don't expect that. And so I, I think he's going to have time. He's going to have time to do what he needs to do. Um, and the thing is, is. Lane Kiffin can be successful at Ole Miss, and I don't think anyone's going to question that. The problem with the SEC has always been the same. You can be successful at a school, but you may still be the fourth best team in your division. <laughs> and I think that's something that you look at here and engage in terms of expectations is what are the expectations? Are the expectations for Ole Miss to win an SEC championship under Lane Kiffin? Are the expectations for Ole Miss to be a top three team in the SEC West under Lane Kiffin? Um, I think there's so many different ways you can go with this. And because the SEC changes so much, at least in terms of how quickly you can go from the top to the bottom, uh, or how, because it's, it's much easier, right, to go make that dramatic fall from the top because of how much everybody else is getting better all the time than it is to maybe be that team at the bottom that, that flies all the way to the top and, and automatically just overtakes some of these other teams in a season or two. That's a lot harder to do, uh, but I think Lane Kiffin will have the time to see if he can do it. What range, and I'll give a five-spot margin for error, would you put Lane Kiffin's recruiting class in this year? Where should the Rebels wind up in this recruiting cycle? So to make sure that question makes sense, like I think Ole Miss will land about the 20th best class, and I think – by the third year, Lane Kiffin needs to be recruiting nearly at a top 15 clip. Um, do you think what I'm proposing is realistic? And if you disagree with any of that, where do you disagree? No, I don't think that's unrealistic at all because, um, you know, even pointing, and I know it's different, but obviously we see the success that Tennessee's had. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they've gone through a, a massive couple weeks here <laughs> yeah, where, you know, they've all of a sudden put together the top two class in the country. And, and so, I mean, obviously, you know, Tennessee's a team. We look back at their history and the tradition, and, and you know, they, they've always been fighting 
to get back to that that 1998, right? They they want it to feel like 98. They want to be national champions. Um, but but yet you see how impactful a coach can be in terms of recruiting, and we know that. And I think for Lane Kiffin, look, it's not like Lane Kiffin's just someone that that maybe has had success at a very small school and has just come out, you know, maybe an, a rising coach somewhere uh, that that some people have heard of, but not, you know, really a lot of people have heard of, unless you've just been engaged with that program. The casual fan knows who Lane Kiffin is. I think the casual football player, like, you know who Lane Kiffin is because you've seen where he's been, and I think you've seen him have success in all these connections and everything else that he's made. I don't think it's unrealistic at all to look and say, okay, if they have the top 20 class this year, uh, if eventually, you know, with Ole Miss over the next five years is hovering around that top 10, top 15 range, is that unrealistic? And I don't think it is because, you know, you have to have talent if you want to to rise up the SEC ladder. And, and that's the way to do it is to go out and get these top players and prove that you can get them consistently. So uh, I don't think that's unrealistic at all in terms of what they should be able to accomplish uh, in the SEC. Much easier said than done, but sure. uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's unrealistic. So we've talked already about how we think from a distance things could change drastically, but we've already talked about what we think in a head-to-head matchup with Kiffin's Rebels and Mike Leach's Bulldogs. In terms of playing them on a week-to-week basis, who would you rather play in year one? Because my answer might surprise you here. I actually think I would rather play Kiffin and Ole Miss, even though I think they'll beat Mississippi State as things stand. Uh, I think the air raid is such a thorn in the side of coaches, and he is the only coach in the league to commit to it. Like, we've seen LSU have air raid principles last year, which sounds funny to say when you're talking about LSU and air raid in the same sentence, but it's not truly an offense like Leach's where 70 to 80% of the plays drawn up are pass plays. So I I, I think that is, even if I can convince myself that the talent is better in Oxford, especially for defensive coordinators in their first year of combating this, I really think Leach has something to be said for being the most annoying opponent in the entire conference this season. I completely agree. I I think if, you know, like we said, even if we pick Ole Miss to win that game at the end of the season, the tougher team to prepare for is going to be Mississippi State, just because they do have that unique approach. And and we've seen it's not, you know, we have we have the background to see, you know, Mike Leach's offenses and how they have just completely frustrated people, you know, to to no end. And I think it's something where even if they don't have this offseason to go through, even if they're not on the same page, that make it may make it even more entertaining and hard to prepare for, uh, because you know he may just be adding some wrinkles on the fly that, that no one's ever seen before. Um, so I, it's going to be tougher probably to prepare for Mississippi State just because of those those things that go along with it and what goes along with that offense. So uh, you know, and that goes back to you know, the long term, Mike Leacher or Lane Kiffin, who's going to have more success? It's such a tough question to answer because I think immediately you could probably see Mike Leach have more success. Uh, I also think you could bank on Lane Kiffin maybe in the long term having more success. Uh, but also, you know, there's potential they meet somewhere in the middle uh, and both programs, you know, wind up taking a big step forward. And then, you know, Painter, the question becomes, OK, Ole Miss and, and you know, Mississippi State take a big step forward. Well, who takes a step back? Because that's the thing is like if these teams, these programs take the step forward, somebody's got to come backwards yeah. if you're going to be able to move ahead of them. Right. So Auburn or Texas A&M, 
or LSU, um, I think as long as Nick Saban's there, we're not going to see Alabama <laughs> take a big stumble back to the fourth or fifth best team in the SEC. I just don't see that happening. So if you're going to make that, that jump, sometimes it's not just about what you do. It's about, you know, how do you jump ahead of some of these other teams? And that's the challenge uh, in the SEC year in and year out. Blake, you've been generous with your time as always, and I really appreciate it. So let's leave it here on the spot. Who's the best player in the league? We won't talk about <laughs> enough until maybe a month into the season and we realize, oh, yeah, that guy's pretty good. Oh, man. I and I can stall on. for you because that is a tough question to just pull out of the bag. So understandably, and mine is a bit of a cheater answer because we've known about this guy. So feel free to use one if you think you have to go a little more mainstream. <laughs> I'm going to say it's Najee Harris because well, that's fair. because he has been in the shadow of Tua Tagovailoa and those other receivers and there's still some receivers like Jalen Waddell who will get rightfully so a ton of attention but he's very quietly knocking on the door of being Alabama's all-time rusher he was the top prospect coming out of high school football and quite frankly I feel like people are like oh yeah that guy's pretty good whatever whatever <laughs> and just sort of you know poo-poo him and it's like I you're looking at a guy that is like on the cusp of being one of the best running backs in school history behind the likes of Mark Ingram yeah. and Derrick Henry that's a good one and I think we talked about this guy um when we had probably we probably talked a month or so ago maybe a month and a half ago um this it all runs together now right in terms of uh, time <laughs> yes, and days God. and everything but you know, we 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 talked about Georgia, and I think we we talked a lot about that defense is going to be outstanding. We just we don't know what exactly we're going to see from the offense. But I will still say that Jamie Newman, I think, is going to be someone that fits in very well there. And I think that there are high expectations for him. So I don't know if he's necessarily the, the right fit for this answer, mm -hmm. but because there are high expectations, I still think there's a part of people though that that wonder. You know, can this really be the guy? Because remember, we're we're thinking about too who he's having to follow, and and you can pick apart Jake Fromm all you wanted, but this team still had a lot of success with Jake Fromm under center. Um, and so I think there are some unknowns, but I do think that that offense maybe is going to be a little bit further along than people think, and, and I think Jamie Newman could be a big part of the reason why. Uh, you know, you look ahead, it, it's kind of how scouts look at him, maybe for the NFL moving forward and all that. I mean, this is a really talented guy. And I think as long as he has this defense around him that, you know, as we're saying, the defense is going to help him too because it's going to make things a lot easier on him having such a great defense uh, that George is going to have. And so uh, I'll I'll stick with him because I, I just I find the situation fascinating mm -hmm. for Georgia in terms of their offense because if they do come along a lot quicker maybe than people expect, um, that's, you know, and this is, again, this is coming from the guy who picked Florida to win the East, right? And I'm sitting here <laughs> gushing over Georgia. Uh, but I, just something about them, I, I think that Jamie Newman is going to be very good for them, and I think that, that they could have some success, uh, maybe more success than people think. Yeah, you said, I'm not sure this counts. I think it absolutely does for a few of the reasons you've already mentioned. Like, one, people, some people think he could be a first-round draft pick, and then some people are yeah. like, I don't know what he can do. He played at Wake Forest, and he's going to be right. playing behind an offensive line that's totally retooled. And last year, their biggest problem wasn't the offensive line. It was they didn't know who their receivers were. And now, you know, they're kind of stuck in limbo where they think they've got some receivers coming back who are certainly talented based on their high school rankings. And we know George Pickens is. He was the MVP, I believe, in their bowl game. But now he's got to do it behind a, a group of players who he's not played with or practiced with. 
and it's a new offensive line. So, like, I, I think it's an incredible answer, and I think it's even better that you've picked Florida to win the East. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, Blake, where can people hear you? Where can people find you? Appreciate it, my friend. Uh, you mentioned uh, Locked on SEC. You can check that out. We'll get ramped back up here on that. And, uh, yeah, just uh, lots of fun stuff going on here as we try to look ahead and, and see, you know, Painter, what this season's going to look like. Uh, but you can check that out on Locked on SEC and everything else. You can find me on Twitter at the Blake Lovell. The Blake Lovell, I have to ask you before you go, the Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, the Jordan <laughs> documentary, really, it's more about him than the Bulls. But uh, did you think or did you enjoy the most recent episodes it was my favorite two that we've gotten thus far as we sort of crescendo now into the climax. Yeah, they are all great. And like you said, I, I think the fact is that they've, they pace these so well to the point to where it's like, you know, you do like you have that build to where you're just like, it's like watching a, a drama series, right? It's not like a documentary. It's like you're watching that drama series waiting for that big finale in terms of what you're going to get and everything. And it's just, I, I can't wait because I think honestly, painter, this is going to spark a lot more of these. Now, obviously this, there are, there aren't stories like this one, like every story is different, but are you telling me you couldn't go out and find some other stories like this with, with some of these other teams and players, mm-hmm. you know, sports stories in the past that you could make into these long documentary series. You absolutely can. And, and I think it's going to be fun maybe to see what they go for on this next. Yeah, I think you're knocking on the door of something there. I'm not the first person to point this out, but like 10 or 15 years ago, there was not an appetite, I think, to sit down and watch a 10-hour documentary. Not for yeah. many people, but with the advent now of Netflix and plenty of streaming services, frankly, I think there is this. And I think the O.J. Simpson thing showed us that this has taken it a step farther with 10 episodes. Again, he's at the Blake level on Twitter. Many of you are already aware of this, but you can hear him with Locked On SEC. Blake, thanks again. Really appreciate it. You got it, my friend. As always, and again, thank you to Blake Lovell. Be sure to check him out on Twitter, at the Blake Lovell. And, as many of you are already aware, with Locked On SEC, we're back to Bud Elliott's Blue Chip Ratio Wednesday. Please, if you haven't already, download Locked On Ole Miss. Rate, review, subscribe. And thanks to the good folks at Built Bar who made this show possible. Bud Elliott, Blue Chip Ratio, Lane Kiffin. That's coming up Wednesday. We'll catch you guys then. Y'all be easy. tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day